0: Hello and welcome to the show where we spill the tea on the real estate scene in The Six. Today we're tackling the top 10 mistakes we've seen sellers make when trying to unload their Toronto properties. We've got you covered from overpriced homes that make buyers run to the hills to neglecting those pesky repairs that could cost you big bucks. So grab your double double, sit back, and get ready to learn how to avoid the 10 most common typical seller slip ups. week three of April 2023, we are Fox Mayer & Associates, Toronto's most innovative and active brokerage in central and downtown Toronto. We aren't here to regurgitate boring stats. You can find those anywhere. We are here to share what we are seeing going on in the Toronto real estate market in real time on a weekly basis so that you can be in the know and make informed decisions. If you're interested in getting an up-to-the-moment opinion on what's happening in Toronto real estate right now and learning what's going down, boots on the ground before it becomes a stat, then you're in the right place. My name's Ian Busher. I'm a broker with the FM team. Joining me today, as always, keep her number handy. This is Corey Marin, in-house hype girl and resident expert listing broker. And of course, Mr. Ralph Fox, our analytical investor-driven listing broker. No, our analytical investor-driven macro picture watcher is what I meant to say. Uh, it wouldn't be real. It wouldn't be true if there weren't bloopers like that for you. <laughs> we do this every week. So hit that subscribe button and join us for the latest updates every seven days. Don't forget to subscribe. We need you to subscribe. Please, we love you. Today, we'll share our expertise on the 10 biggest mistakes sellers make when selling real estate properties in Toronto. Whether you're a first time buyer or a seasoned pro, you won't want to miss these valuable insights starting with number one, which we'll get to in a minute. How are you guys today?
1: I'm good. Good. It was a great Fantastic. weekend.
0: Yeah. It's been a beautiful, beautiful week. Yeah. Unbelievable. I think it's all crashing down shortly, but yeah, it's been gorgeous weather here. So let's jump into this. Uh, I'm
1: excited. who
0: would Let's like go. to go first? Number Corey. one, oh. num- Corey for number one, I'm sorry. You've been thrown under the bus, leave, Always. Uh, no leaving, <laughs> leaving money on the table. Talk to me about that. The cost of neglecting home staging and styling. It's perfect for you anyway. This question, isn't
1: it? It's perfect for me. I it's can perfect any for any question yeah. about selling. Okay. So seller mistake number one, not staging and styling. This is a massive mistake. Uh, So, for those of you who who are familiar with us, uh, we are very much invested in the process of staging and styling a process when we are marketing a property to sell so that the sellers can get the highest and best price for their property. And this is not to trick buyers. This is not to pull the wool over the properties and, and try to showcase something that it's not. It's meant to highlight the property at its best. Um, and we can do this in a various different ways. So, we can stage a property from top to bottom. We can work with sellers and their current furniture and work with a hybrid approach and style what they currently have and work with that. Um, or, we can't, we might not do anything at all if they have beautiful artwork and furniture and we might just do a little bit of zhuzhing, as we like to call it. Uh, But it truly is in the seller's best interest to do this. We're trying to create an emotional connection with the buyer, we're telling a story uh, to the potential purchasers out there. Their photography is gonna look way, way better when it's staged and styled. Their video is going to look exceptionally uh, much better when it's staged and styled. And this doesn't just include furniture and art and decor pieces. This includes everything that's happening behind all of that too, including your paint colors, your minor repairs, um, your fixing your crooked kitchen cabinets, for example, possibly switching at the hardware in your kitchen, those light fixtures, all of these things will engage the buyer. It gives the feeling that the property is worth more than it is, and it helps buyers understand the space. So only 15% of the population can actually visualize, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, but people don't have a sense of space at all, most people. Mm -hmm. So they're like, can I fit a queen size bed in here? I don't know. Can I put a L-shaped couch here? I have no idea. Where can my TV go? Like These are the things that stress buyers out. So we're just doing that work for them by showcasing a beautiful property that has all those finer details already worked out on behalf of the buyer so they're not stressed and thinking about these considerations and they can focus on the home. I have seen over and over again, us staging and styling the most generic properties you've ever imagined. The most cookie cutter condos that are just like boxes in the sky that look hideous before they're staged. Boring, brown kitchens, brown carpets, brown walls, brown everything, you know, dated like 1995 vibes, you know, throw some white paint on the wall, change the hardware, bring in some contemporary furniture some flowers some plants. And then voila, this property looks exceptional. And we might end up in a bidding war for it. And I'm like, I actually feel kind of bad for the buyers when they go do their purchaser visit and all that beautiful stuff has been pulled out. And then they actually have to see the shell of the condo that they actually purchased without all the artwork and the furniture and the flowers in there. So um, it's a big time mistake for sellers not to look at working with a team brokerage or a realtor that works with stagers or has a staging inventory that they have in-house.
0: Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. 100%. Ralph, anything to add to
2: that? Yeah, like I feel this topic alone could be an hour long episode. Um, It's kind of where to start and where to end. Um, But I think the key thing in sales, uh, and this is a moniker uh, that we always talk about is, people buy on emotion and then they justify with logic afterwards and there is no more emotional purchase than real estate, than buying your home. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that's more personal than that. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to create that emotional connection from the second somebody steps in the door, um, can be worth sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. And Spaces have energy and spaces tell stories. Mm -hmm. And when you walk into a space with low energy, low connection, no story, it's flat, No no soul, then people really don't see the property to its highest potential from their own point of view. And that's the magic of staging, is being able to create that connection, and have an individual paint their own story by enabling them with the condition of the property being at its highest and best. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing more important than how you present a property. And I think every seller deserves to have their property shown at its highest and best light when going to market. And if there's one thing that pains me when I walk into a property, and I see that it's not, I feel terrible for the sellers because they're missing something. And there's a reason why certain properties sell above record prices and others don't. And others mm-hmm. don't even sell. And so you do not definitely don't want to be in the ladder. And um, it's really interesting because when you walk through spaces, houses, condos, uh, with your clients and you see the way they connect to the property, The where they're heavily connecting is that the, the staged properties. And so that's really just the most important thing. And one of the interesting things that I didn't know until we got so heavy, heavily into staging ourselves is, is furniture, actually well-placed furniture, well-staged properties can actually feel significantly bigger than an empty room or house or condo Mm -hmm. and so it helps you feel the size in scale and it gives the ability to say oh well where would the tv go or Mm -hmm. where would such and such go so i i think unequivocally and i've seen stats where i mean I don't know where these numbers come from, but staged properties or well staged properties can sell 18 to 25% more than, or certainly and faster un-staged. as well, um, than unstaged properties. But the other thing is, there's also a difference between well staged properties and yes. poorly staged properties. And when you walk into a property and you see it's been staged, uh, you know, early 2000 uh, style, which um, are
1: dead giveaways, are chrome. And glass, and any plastic fruit. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Just saying, these are dead giveaways for and canvas canvas art from yes. HomeSense.
2: Exactly, so you walk in you see that and you become distracted because the I staging know. is so bad that it then becomes really hard to see the property. And when you have, and it, it's just, you don't even know where to look, but you know that <laughs> you're in some type of a weird time machine that you don't want to be in. So um, having that emotional connection, making that first impression, uh, tugging at heartstrings, um, making it easy for somebody to see themselves living in the property and what that life could be like, um, that's, how high, that's how record sales happen. And that's where all the magic is. And so why anybody would consider going to market uh, at any point in time in Toronto without wanting to have the magic uh, is absolutely beyond me, other than the fact that they probably weren't educated or know, knew any better.
1: Totally. And I just want to add a couple things on that as well. So, like I said earlier, everything looks better when your property is staged, all your marketing, all your social media, all your collateral, all your print materials, everything's just going to look better when it's staged. And then the other thing that staging does is it distracts people from spending the majority of their time looking at people's shit. Like Mm -hmm. if you do not stage, your buyers are so distracted by your stuff. Like they'll be like looking at your wedding photos, looking at your baby's books, they'll look at your clothing labels, they'll open your drawers. And they spend so much time looking at your stuff. They'll like open up, I'm telling you, like buyers open everything. over
0: your desk. Yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah, oh, where did they, they go to, to school? Too. What year? Like, yeah, yeah.
1: What did, yeah. Oh, my what God. They they're 32. And yeah. they're like, you know, they figured out how old you are. They'll, they'll spend most of the time looking at your stuff. They'll look in your kitchen. They're like, these guys are really healthy. Like, I'm just like, guys, like, let's focus on the house. So that's the other thing too. This helps focus buyers on like what they're actually doing, which is looking for a house or a condo to acquire. And so all of your, your stuff and your clutter are so distracting for everybody and people spend way too much time looking at that. So that's another point to add to that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, focus on what you're there for, right? Yes. That's what yep. you want those buyers and, doing when they go through. And I
2: think to the other point really to be thinking about is everything happens online and it's kind of like we use the analogy like swapping through Tinder, left, right, left, right, when people are looking Swiping. for homes. And so... <laughs>
1: Swapping through Tinder. Did I say swapping? Yes, it was funny.
0: Ian, did I? I don't remember now, yes, actually. you did.
1: We right, can, well, we'll download the transcript for proof.
2: Exactly. <laughs> watch, watch the uh, TSN replay. Yes. Um, well, when they're swiping through looking at properties and so how you strike somebody with the photography yes. based on how a property shows while it's being photographed and then when it's being marketed online, that could be the decision right there. Cause at the end of the day, you're only looking for one buyer. You might get 20 offers, but it's that one buyer. They swipe the wrong way. Uh, the consequences of that could be significant on offer night and could be the difference between selling even and not selling. And so when you're going to market, you want to cast that wide net and you want to do it with your best foot forward right off, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm.
1: And then just one more thing about that since we're talking about swiping left or swapping depending on who said it is why an agent would select an exterior photo of either the house or the condo building as the first picture, especially the mm-hmm. condo building mm-hmm. is the literally the dumbest thing. Like People yeah. don't care what the outside of a condo building looks like in city place. They want to get to the meat and potatoes, like the heart of the home. You pick your best freaking picture and you put that first because that is mm-hmm. how you stop people in their tracks when they're waiting for their venti cappuccino to be made by the barista. Like that is what you want when they're swiping through. You want your hero shot first. You want to use that picture everywhere. Like it's the dumbest thing. So it's staged, it's styled, it looks gorgeous. It's got fresh white walls or neutral walls, crisp. High resolution is like bang right there on the first image. That is what you need. You don't know, put the picture of like a concrete building entrance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with like a number and some like gross, like bushes that are covered in snow is the first picture. That's stupid. Anyways, yeah, yeah. I could we, we could do a whole episode about staging, Ralph. You're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> and Before maybe
2: there we... is one in
0: our future. Yes. Yeah. Before we move on, actually, do you want to talk about, for those who don't know us, about the Fox Marin staging inventory for a second? Just to let people know what you've got. Uh, Maybe we'll let Corey tell the story, but it it literally started with one pillow. It did start with one pillow. It always does. Yeah.
1: No, like we, this is when I was a pretty new agent, and I was lucky to get some listings right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And not right off the bat. Let's just be real here, people. (laughs) Right off the
2: bat. Well, we're not (laughs) including the uh, basement apartment in uh, Etobicoke.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no.
2: Early on. uh,
1: yeah, oh early boy. on in Let's my career. Let's just say early
0: on. Yeah, yes.
1: Yeah. And it was a building. I know exactly who the client is. I hope you're listening. And he's awesome and so so supportive. And he's still our client to this day. And I was like, I feel like we need to get some like extra throw pillows, you know, for the property, and some deck tile for their yes. big balcony. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Ralph, well, I'm going to go to HomeSense or wherever, even though I just dissed it like mm-hmm. 10 minutes ago, but I uh, got some pillows and some decking tile from Ikea. And I went in there and I did my little zhuzhing with that. <laughs> Those became the first pieces of our staging inventory, which we may still have to this day. We probably never use that pillow, but it's probably still in inventory. And since then, we have basically started our own staging company, which is vertically integrated with Fox Marin. So we have about half a million dollars worth of staging inventory. We have a warehouse outside, just in Side, where it's tucked away. Uh, We have an in-house stager and designer. She's awesome. We have a staging assistant and then obviously we have our listing coordinator. And then we have all of our trades and contractors. And basically we have in-house movers as well who are like the nicest guys in the world. So this whole staging business is like its own entity within itself and we actually include staging and styling services as part of our commissions for the majority of our clients because we know like we know like we know like we know, like we know how much of a difference it makes for them to net, net the highest and best price. So it's a service we offer because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we're really good at.
0: Mm-hmm. Very cool. Ralph, will you introduce point number two for us, which is renovation overkill? Oh yeah. That's so good. when I say that, <laughs> Uh, we're basically talking about when sellers prioritize the aesthetic over the actual value of the home. Yeah. So that's a,
2: that's a, yeah, that's an interesting one. So, um, some homeowners don't think about resale value or don't think about it from the proper lens when they decide to spend $150,000 on millwork. And so, Properties on streets, condos and buildings tend to have a cap. Condos price per square foot, streets also generally tend to have a cap as well. And so if you're looking uh, at selling on a street that has a cap at 1.5, and you bought the house for 1.2 a few years ago, and then you did $700,000 worth of renovations, probably Mm -hmm. not the wisest move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not worth 1.9
1: all of a sudden. Mm -hmm.
2: Exactly. So you really have to be considerate. And we have a lot of clients call us and say, listen, I'm considering doing some renovations. Um, Do you think this is going to add value? Or do I start to get to a point where there's a point of diminishing returns? Mm -hmm. And there definitely is, every property has that point on every street and in every building in the city. And understanding where that sweet spot is, and then you know we have clients sometimes where the utilitarian aspect of doing renovations makes more sense to them, uh, not on a financial standpoint, but from a personal standpoint. But at least when they're making that decision, they they cognitively understand that. Versus situations where people just go ahead and do these rentals and think, okay, well, if I bought it for one three and the market says it's it's worth one five and I put in 300,000 in rentals, well, it's worth one eight. You're not getting one eight. And so, usually, I like to use the rule of thumb, especially with sellers when they're getting their properties ready for sale in that short interim period. Uh, the rule of three, meaning that if you spend one dollar, you should be looking for a three dollar return on the property.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and then anything less than that, um, you start to really want to consider: is the work worth it, and is it important? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, another example would be people considering digging out their basements and doing a lot of work sub subground. Very hard to get your money back, or if you can get your money back, it's very hard to make a profit significant Mm -hmm. profit on on something like that, versus an extension, versus even something as simple as a Mm backsplash. So we're always very cognitive um, from a seller standpoint in terms of the resale value to be added when doing renovations. And it's something you really, really got to be careful of when you own a property, making sure you don't cross that threshold unintentionally.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I should throw out here too that that any of us on this show would be happy to meet with somebody to discuss with them. You're planning on doing this, but you're pretty confident you're going to be selling in a year or two just to have that conversation of, is this worth it, right? Mm -hmm. What's the current value? What will the value be after the fact? If I'm going to invest half a million here, should I just live with it for the next year? And the
2: question is, you know, do I really need to buy that gold toilet?
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Well, 100
2: percent.: Probably yes. take the toilet with you, but I think it's everything. exclusion, the yes. gold
1: toilet.
0: Yeah. And on that yeah, same I think... point sorry, Corey, no I, I, I'll be brief, but I feel like also it, 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 it needs to be said, uh, keep, your, keep your decisions if you know you're going to be selling soon, relatively neutral, right? Don't do really bold yes. individual things, oh God, right And don't. if you want to do that, do that with something that's easy to change, like paint. Right, but don't install things that will cost just as much to remove and <laughs> yes. if your if your buyer doesn't like
1: them. Right. So I know. Yeah. People do the weirdest things. Yeah, don't get too specific. That's yeah. I think the rule of thumb. But don't get and that's why condo buildings and people get really annoyed by this, but I actually experienced this myself when I first first bought pre construction. Um, when you used to buy pre construction, you would get like a thousand options they would give you like a hundred countertops and like all these backsplashes and you would spend hours there trying to mix and match. But what ended up happening is that people would do really weird shit with all their choices and it would actually devalue the condo building because some people were going too wacky and doing like a red kitchen and like green tiles and all this stuff. And so the actual developers got smart and started offering you packages. So Mm -hmm. you can do like package one, two, or three. Mm -hmm. it's like much faster to make a decision, and they're not dealing with a thousand different things. And then also it just helps keep the value and the consistency through all the suites in the building, which helps with marketability in the future. So it's the same kind of concept. Don't get too specific with your design unless you're going to be staying there for like many years of course go to town like represent yourself like i love that like push the envelope but if you're thinking about selling it yeah, you got to stay neutral and stay with what's on trend and just be on the safer side like everyone likes grays and whites and like no one's going to be offended mm-hmm. don't go out there and do like lime green backsplashes and like just crazy stuff that people do, especially even more in a condo building where they're like to Ralph's point, like there's going to be a cap on price per square foot. And it's really not difficult to like figure out the value of a condo based on just a simple formula price per square foot. So. If you go crazy with your design and hire an architect and do all this stuff and put herringbone floors in and all this, you're not gonna get it back. And I can tell in two seconds when we work with new sellers and we look into their place, I'm like, oh no, they spent way too much on their renovation. And like, we're gonna have to just break the news to them that we're not gonna be able to recoup that money.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also uh, remember that uh, finishes that are that bold, also, have like a very short lifespan. Yes. And then it's a reference point. So, Corey, earlier you <laughs> yes. said 1995. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, remember when everybody had to have green tile? And yes. now that's so whatever year that was. So, that's why, you know, something like a three by six um, subway tile is universal and fine. You'll find it in French restaurants, but you'll find it in places yeah. that were. Done yesterday. So, so if yeah. um,
2: if anyone out there is considering uh, putting reclaimed wood wall uh, in their condo, exactly barn boards, call yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put those barn boards down. Yeah. <laughs> Put yes. your hammer down and just just think of something else. Don't do it. It's call. hard to yeah. take that off do too. <laughs> it. yeah, yeah, it's really <laughs> hard to take that off.
0: Yeah. 2011 <laughs> called that <laughs> it wants its barn board back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right moving okay. along number three and you guys corey? can fight over who wants to start on this one okay, the high cost of overvaluing your property
2: oh this is corey for sure this is corey's name on it
0: okay
1: oh there's like many ways i can look at this this but i mm-hmm. i'm gonna go with my gut response which is i feel like a lot of first of all everybody thinks their prop- property is the best property in their place is worth more than everybody else that's just a given so i'm not just gonna Put that off to the side for a second. What I am speaking to personally, what I've seen happen with a lot of clients is once their property is properly painted, repaired, staged, styled, photographed, and marketed, all of a sudden they think their place is worth like $100,000 more than we initially had suggested the range might be. And so then may have to be like, no, 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 this was like the range we felt it was worth if you stage style and repair and do all of the things we suggest Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then what happens with a well marketed property is that sellers all of a sudden get an inflated sense of value when they get a lot of appointments booked a lot of people attend the open house there's lots of inquiries um, a lot of status certificates go out or a lot of home inspections go out and then all of a sudden over the week or two they're on the market they've they've decided that their place is worth like 100,000, 200, more than we initially talked about. And so then the offer night comes around and they get really greedy about it. And I'm like, what? Like an offer will come in within the range that we anticipated and they're not happy. I'm like Mm -hmm. so confused by this. So this sort of inflated sense of value is very typical. And so we have to do a lot of coaching around this from the get-go to ensure that people understand that expectation within that range is based on them completing all of their tasks and us showcasing the property at its highest and best, and this is the range we anticipate. If you don't do any of those things, we should be looking at the bottom end of your range. That's mm-hmm. where we should be spending our time. So that's what that's what I feel when you um, say over uh, inflated sense of value. That mm-hmm. is my first instinct about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so just basically getting overly cocky about what they've got, yes. right, and thinking it's worth Everyone. too much. Yeah.
1: Everyone, almost um, everyone. Uh,
0: I see here too, we have in the notes, the first offer is often the best. Tell me a little bit about that and what that means.
1: Ralph, this is so you.
2: I think um, what we what I said earlier is real estate is a very emotional process and you can look at past sales uh, to understand a price range of expected sale of a property and value. Uh, And I think that is very logical. But going back to what Corey was saying is that people start to see their property in the light probably with which they never got to see their property, which is its best light. And then they start to get cocky, feeling that all of the rationale that led us to want to do all of the upgrades to get the property to its highest and best, um, now emotionally means that the property is worth more than what was rationally discussed uh, at the beginning of our discussions. And so it becomes a really interesting dynamic where people start to feel, well, it looks so great and we've got a whole bunch of showings and now we have an offer at full list price that we've underpriced the property and the property is worth more. Every time. Than the list price. And what I don't think sellers in that moment can understand is if your property is marketed to its highest and best and it's priced perfectly, then somebody who's been looking for a while, more than likely who's lost out on multiple offer scenarios understands that value and they're ready to pay top dollar because they don't want to lose out on that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if you lose those buyers, you may never find anybody else who sees the value or appreciates the value of this property as much as they do given their personal situation. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really, really important to remind yourself as a seller, why you went into this process and what your expectations were, not just on the presentation of the property, but its ultimate sale price. And so typically somebody who come, the first mover to come in on a property, not always, There's exceptions, a lot of exceptions to a lot of different rules, but Mm -hmm. um, we really find that that motivated first buyer who's coming in really, really early, hot and heavy, uh, that meets your expectations, not in an offer scenario where you're holding off on offers, but an offer anytime scenario Mm -hmm. where you're priced probably slightly higher than the property's worth. If they're meeting that, then it's probably a good indication that that's a great offer and
1: to probably take that offer and run. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this offer will often come in on your first day on the market, which is technically day zero. So the day that it gets listed on the MLS system or the first day and being the day after it gets listed. And if an offer comes in on those two days within that first 24 hours, that's when sellers start to really, really, truly feel like it's underpriced. Mm-hmm. And those are the best buyers. That's mm-hmm. when you know everything has been done perfectly when that happens. And it's happened so many times.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's very different from a scenario where you've priced it low and are holding of off on offers Yes, and you receive what's known as a preemptive offer, which I think we can talk about a little bit later. Um, but you just have to understand in the scenario where you're holding, where you're taking offers anytime, and it's priced right and marketed right. That first buyer is your best friend, whether you oh gosh, whether you yes. want to admit it or not.
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah, they're either they're either experienced, getting great guidance, or both, and they're watching that area or building like a hawk, and that's why they're mm-hmm. there with a big check yeah. on day one. Yeah, yes. they know exactly what they're doing, and yeah, sellers absolutely should uh, should take that very very seriously and not get uh, cocky, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Right, don't get full well, of yourself. Seen... Because if you turn that down, right, that could be the strongest one you've got and things might slow down on day three, day four. So I totally. saw,
2: I saw uh, an agent on our team two weeks ago, offer on a property, day one on the market. It was overpriced, but our client understood the value and we came in a little bit lower than list and held to our guns. But basically we were saying, you know, that th- this is the best offer you're gonna see. And they were like, well, it's still early, whatever. Uh, that property is still on the market and it's getting very little activity and I believe it's already done a price reduction, uh, which starts to become a spiral uh, Mm -hmm. if you haven't marketed your property correctly. So that's what can happen
0: uh, if you get too greedy or your expectations get out of line with reality. So Mm -hmm. keep grounded. What's an an agent situation that you wanna stay away from? Well,
2: I'm, I'm gonna jump in here because one of the things that we've seen, especially since COVID is that the market can shift really, really, really quickly. Like mm-hmm. one week we can have condos that can't even get a showing. And we've seen in 2021, all of a sudden the next week, we're looking at 20 offers on, on a condo. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the market shift very quickly because of lockdowns and interest rates and presidential elections. and there's just been so many factors affecting the market that have caused it to shift literally overnight. And we've seen other agents not seeing those shifts and costing their clients a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can give the example of uh, last year, uh, spring 2022, when a lot of agents were advising their clients they should buy first before sell. And what happened was those people got burned because they bought in a hot market and were forced to sell under duress in a slower Mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. We've seen situations where on the East End, where all of a sudden low rise has lit up and some properties are getting 10 offers and the way to go is price 20% below list, put it on the market and an agent from out of town or from another area or unexperienced um, just puts it out offers anytime, probably leaving a lot of money on the table for their client, not even mm-hmm. knowing it. So it's really, really important as a seller, when you work with a listing agent, is to make sure that they truly have their finger on the pulse and can understand submarkets, can understand how they operate, and can understand in real time how they are responding to things that are happening in the market and in the economy in real time, so that if you need to shift strategies, you can do so at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real miss. And I often see situations that I'm just nodding my head going, wow, if only they knew. And so you never want to be they slash them in those situations. Mm -hmm. Um, So, making sure that you're working with and the reason why I think team fits in here is when you have a team, they have a wider net of real time information that's always going around. Um, because by the time you've seen, and this is part of the reason why we're doing this podcast uh, is, is that, um, by the time you've seen the stats, it's too late. It's over.
0: Mm -hmm. It, the stats are two months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Week over week, right? We have a weekly meeting with all of the team members and, this is one of the questions that comes up is what What are we seeing out there? Because it's just moving and shifting so quickly. And yeah, as you said, different segments of the market can be doing completely different things.
2: Yeah, or someone looking at putting an offer on the East End calls up an agent on our team who just sold the property on the East End and said, well, how did that go? You sold something two streets over. Um, having that type of real-time intel is so important never Mm -hmm. been more important. And I think the importance of of that will continue uh, well into the future as things Mm -hmm. continue to shift really quick.
1: Totally. Like for example, with sellers, Since we're speaking specific to sellers we never price the property until the day before it goes to market Mm -hmm. so we have like an overarching theme we have a range we're working with and then we keep monitoring that week over week all the way up to their list date and some people are like really pre-planning like we're working with them 6 to 12 months in advance other people was very much on the fly and then we'll do a week before they go to market. We'll have a, a dialogue about what's been happening lately in their building, on their street, in their community, in their neighborhood. We'll look macro, we'll look micro. Which strategies seem to be working in terms of like an mm-hmm. offer date or offers anytime? Who's winning? Who's not winning? Who sold? Who didn't sell? Let's make sure that we're also seeing the inventory in the area that's also going to market so that we can understand what things are selling for and what it felt like inside, because we all know that pictures tell a totally different story. Mm-hmm. And then it's not till the day before that we actually finalize the list price and all the listing documents and everything for that reason. And then even, I'm not joking, listeners out there, before we press the submit button on the MLS listing to go live, we do one more sweep Of the market, like did anyone else in your building go to market that day, or did anybody else in the street go to market that day, and/or does anyone else have the same offer date as you? And we're like checking, like right to the last second, and then like I always call it sweaty palms, but like it is. I press that submit button once we know that we are clear and ready to go, and that the seller is informed and everyone's on the same page. Everyone sent us a thumbs up in the text thread. We're good. All right, Mm -hmm. we're going to market, and I feel like. That is the only way to respond to the current market conditions is to be that tight and that on the pulse else you could really screw yourself seriously. So mm-hmm. the dream team is like massive, not only on pricing and strategy and finger on the pulse, but it's also about being communicative, having people like in the office, people on the street, people seeing properties, the stagers, the designers, like all of these things. Like, And we're constantly working as a team and I'm constantly saying, how does anyone do this by themselves. Like it would be impossible. It really truly would at the level in which we service our clients, impossible for one person to do.
0: hmm Not done well. Oh could no. be no, done and but... it becomes it
2: becomes a real it becomes a real problem where you want to have hire somebody who has the experience but if they can only do this one at a time, they're never going to have the experience to be able to give their clients the best um, uh, outcome. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really, really important to sort of think about is, do you have the experience and the bandwidth to bring this to all your clients uh, every single time? Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Ralph, you mentioned talking about bully offers a little bit later, so I'm gonna direct this question at you. Um, Our next point is actually uh, about not being a pushover, not caving to a bully offer. So first by definition, what is a preemptive or bully offer?
2: So we'll take a step back and we'll talk about a scenario where uh, a seller um, holds off on offers, meaning that a property normally would come out on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, usually at the beginning of the week. And they would say clearly on the listing and in their communications with other agents that we will not be accepting, we will not be reviewing offers till generally at some point the following week. And it's at a prescribed date and time. So let's say a property comes on the market uh, on Monday and they're gonna say we will not accept offers or look at offers until the following Tuesday. So eight days. Mm -hmm. So uh, a preemptive offer is when somebody submits an offer with the intent of trying to jump the line and acquire the property ahead of bidding date. And the reason why they do this is because they know that if they wait till the following week, there could be a lot more offers and competition and they're trying to see if they can get it right here, right now at a price that could be a better price for them than they may have to pay in the future. And I cannot tell you how many times we've seen a scenario where somebody wants to submit a bully or a bully offer, a preemptive offer comes in, we reject it, and then the following week, that same buyer, that same agent will come back even higher. And so if somebody really is that motivated and they really love your property and they really want to move forward with it, they'll wait the five or six days. 'll they'll, they'll probably pay more than they're offering as well. So in most instances where we've actually physically seen the number or hear the numbers tossed out as a preemptive, they're generally considerably higher uh, the following week and they don't disappear either. It's not like you you generally lose them. They generally do show up on a, on offer day. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are outsta- outlying situations where you have, a $2 million property and somebody offers 2.8 and it's only worth 2.4, where it's like, you know what, let them have it if they really want it. Um, But in most instances- Hopefully it appraises. Yeah, and yeah, (laughs) well, that's a whole other issue. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that is is definitely a consideration as well. But in a market that we're seeing right now, where yes, you're getting a lot of activity and a lot of offers on, on especially low rise properties, you're not seeing those crazy smashing numbers, so you're going to be best off to wait and see what happens on offer day. And if you can't get that magic number that would allow you to sell the property, then you re-strategize and go to market, relist the following day at a higher price.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would just like to add in here that you lose all your leverage of competition when you accept a bully offer. The Mm -hmm. idea is if you're going to list low and have an offer date, you want multiple offers to drive the price up. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've talked about this in former episodes, but like when people are in competition, they're willing to pay more when they know there's somebody else that wants what they want. It's all about the FOMO. Mm
2: -hmm. You
1: want to have multiple people biting. That's how you drive the price up. So sellers, you're crazy. To consider a bully offer unless it's ridiculous
2: mm-hmm.
1: wait until the offer date like i know it's just like right there so you're just like please let me just take this and this whole process will be done because it's stressful as hell mm-hmm. totally get that but wait 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 and the other point of this and i don't want to get too complicated in terms of like the administration aspects of bully offers however if you do consider sellers a bully offer This can trigger a whole other slew of stuff that you're going to have to deal with. So if there is a bully offer is registered and you want to take a look at it, then by law, the listing agent has to advise all the buyer agents or anyone who's interested in the property that a bully offer has been registered. And what can happen when you send that communication out to everyone is it can trigger an early offer date. So now all of a sudden you've got all these agents scrambling to submit offers at the last second. And it just turns into a hodgepodge of insanity and craziness and disorganization. Whereas if you had just waited the extra three or four days, everyone can come in with their clean offers, their deposit checks. They can come in fair and square. And it just makes it so much easier for buyers and their agents. And I kind of feel like it's a more respectful process. Like I love when listing agents say, no, we are not looking at bully offers. And it's like, great, I don't feel stressed. I can bring the buyer in. We can see it more than one time. I'm not feeling like this anticipation that somebody could bring in a bully offer at 1 a.m. on a Friday night when Mark's sleeping, and then my buyers have lost out. Like this is a fair way of dealing with the bidding war scenario. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it truly is in the seller's best interest not to consider unless, as Ralph mentioned, it's some like out of control number.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, are we good to move on to our next point? Yes. Okay, amazing. Um, the costly consequences of not doing a pre-list inspection. So, Ooh. pre-list inspection meaning that I'm the seller, I have yeah. a property, I've hired Fox Mayor, and they're gonna sell that for me. Um, what I'm going to do is hire a inspector to come in and basically disclose any flaws that that, that inspector can find with the property, and why would I? Why would any seller not want to do one of those? And what's the harm in not doing one of those?
1: I feel like this is the perfect question for you, being a former contractor and red seal carpenter. Like you know this better than anyone. So, I'm...
0: yeah, Ian, Ian I, th- I, th- it. It. I think you run take the it. lead here.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're the man.
0: <laughs> I ask the questions. I will answer the question. <laughs> um, so basically, I think there's there's several benefits, but I I just listed the first most obvious one is basically this is a a chance for you as the seller to come clean. So um, home inspection will cost you anywhere between 500 and a thousand dollars. So sellers will say, well, why would I want to do that? Let the, let the buyers spend their money checking on the house. But the benefit to you is uh, if you do that pre-list inspection a few weeks before your property is ready, you get the chance to correct some of those things that maybe you didn't actually know about yourself. So an inspector will say, listen, here's a switch, a light switch that doesn't have a cover plate on it. Just get one of those. It's 79 cents, and I don't have to put it in there. You know, I found this wire that's uh, double tapped into the panel. We can fix that next week for a cost of $100 for an electrician to come by and just, you know, open it up and blah, blah, blah. Um, and if there's things that you can't do anything about, like the roof's a little old or the furnace is a little old, but it's still okay, you're sharing that and and basically setting yourself up as, as being an honest seller who's, uh, who's saying, here, listen, we know this isn't perfect, but here are these things for you, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer. Um, mm-hmm. Take a look at these things and know what you're getting. And I think the other benefit, too, for you as a seller is essentially to um, save yourself from hours and hours of other inspectors that have been hired by buyers yes poking around, upsetting things, going into your attic, leaving their dirty fingerprints on all your light switches and um, potentially even damaging something from all of the intrusive stuff that they're doing. So um, so those, those, to me, those are the benefits of spending that $500 to $1,000. I mean, ultimately, if there's a problem with the house, you want to know about it and you want to disclose it um, if you can't fix it, even just for the libel reasons. Did totally. I leave anything out? And-
1: and I think it just gives when there's a pre-list inspection and it's available by email and there's a printed copy on site when you go see the property, it mm-hmm. gives buyers confidence in the property. Mm-hmm. Everything's been disclosed, they can share this with their family members, their mom and dad can review it. And if if they if that's all out there, they know they feel that the seller isn't hiding anything. And mm-hmm. people feel really paranoid about that, especially first-time home buyers, especially in low rise. And so if they feel like people are trying to cover stuff up, it makes them paranoid. It doesn't, they don't feel as confident about, you know, bidding more aggressively, being in a bidding war and all of those things. And even me as a when I was a buyer agent more so than I am now, I also find it really weird, especially in Toronto Mm -hmm. when there isn't a pre-list inspection. It makes me even question. It makes me question the listing agent and Mm -hmm. it makes me question the seller. And I, I know better, but I also am like, that's weird.
0: Yep. Why wouldn't they Why just wouldn't... do that? Yeah,
1: exactly. Why wouldn't you do it? it? And so, um, and then I think it's nice when all like you mentioned all those little fixes, when those are cleaned up mm-hmm. and you go through the property, you're not seeing like, I don't know, like a drippy faucet and like a yeah. weird light switch or whatever. Broken you know, vent w- cover. Yeah. When yeah. all those little things it just makes you feel better about the house and you're not spending your time being like the sellers didn't maintain this home. Yeah. And and when you start noticing those little things, you're like, well, what else could be wrong behind the walls? And mm-hmm. so even if it's just instinctual and you're not actually logically thinking about it and you're just feeling it, mm-hmm. it makes a significant uh, impact on your possible sale price. So sellers, please make the freaking investment. Oh my gosh. And like whenever we when we do a listing presentation, we tell sellers like day one, when we get to this point in the process, you're going to mm-hmm. have to do a pre-list inspection, like get ready, put that five to a thousand dollars, 500 to a thousand dollars aside now in your budget. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do this and this is why. And it, I, we never have any pushback as long as it's uh, brought up upfront.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, with the exception, unless you're selling a property as is, where is that obviously oh, yeah. needs a huge renovation and, they, yes. You know, there are exceptions to every rule in totally. real estate, like Ralph said earlier. So yeah, that totally. would be the case where maybe it isn't necessary. We all I know, know it's is. knob and tube. We all know it's asbestos. We all know it's yeah, we're gonna rip like, everything Like why are we going to look at it and... Right, exactly. Totally.
2: There is There is one other point to this, and that is when you're selling a property, you want to make it as easy as possible for a buyer to come in without conditions and to mm-hmm. come in with the highest and best offer. And so if you are showing a property, your property's on the market and you don't have a home inspection, it now means that anybody who is seriously considering offering on the property is gonna have to invest six, seven, $1,000, $100,000 on a home inspection. And they have the decision, should they spend that money prior Mm -hmm. to offering on the house? Do they have the time to even do that? Or do they just throw in an offer condition on uh, inspection? Mm -hmm. And so that can create a huge issue with somebody deciding whether they should offer on a property or not, whether they have the time or want to make the upfront investment or offer a conditional offer, which is the worst thing you ever want to see as a Mm -hmm. seller in Toronto real estate. Mm -hmm. And so the easiest way you can create the less friction for somebody to offer on a property Will result in multiple offers and record sales. And so, mm-hmm. having that inspection right on the countertop, <clears throat> digital format, ready to go, mm-hmm. ready to answer any helicopter parents' questions, any dad about the gutters or yeah. whatever <laughs> else. You, it's always the you, gutters. Yeah, it's always the gutters, the sloping and the handrails. Yeah, uh, the handrails. Oh, the
1: sloping. I like when people bring in a marble. And they're like, these yeah. floors are crooked. And then, like, they bring in the marble yeah. and it rolls down. I'm like, um, the house is 110 years old.
0: Yeah. Oh, yep.
2: Yes. Yeah. Maybe a Victorian is not for you then. <laughs> yes.
0: But I yeah. should also say, yeah. Ralph. Yes. Um, sorry, Ralph. Are you finished?
1: Yeah. It sounded He's like never you were finished. starting at
0: point. Okay. For the moment, <laughs> that when you do that, it should be with a reputable company as well. Yes. Right. Oh, 100%. If you do a pre-list inspection with. Joe's inspection company. Oh yeah. And it's terrible and and not thorough and no one knows who that is. That's just as bad as not having one. I yes. swear to God, I saw an inspection where the review of the kitchen said the kitchen was renovated recently and is really nice.
1: What? That's what
0: the whole that that's all it said yeah. and then it moved on. Yeah. It was childlike.
1: It was oh like a God, coloring so book funny.
0: home inspection. It was ridiculous.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, we should also add for sellers that when the inspector comes in they are going to find stuff. Yes. Like sellers should Nobody's know that their perfect. job, no yeah. one's no. house is perfect, especially yeah. with the age of the homes in yes. Toronto. And so sellers don't freak out. If stuff comes up, like you kind of want it to come up so we can clean it up. And like, there is no perfect home inspection. Mm-hmm. And the job of the inspector is to find stuff and like record it. And yeah. Ralph really wants to jump in. I can see.
2: And that yes, goes go. both ways for buyers as well. When <laughs> yes. you're buying an 80 year old home, there's going to be stuff. Things are going to come up. Yes. You know, GFI, um, you know, uh, what are those called? GFI, what do you call those? Receptors. GFCI. Yeah. 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 GCI ground fault Receptors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these things are going to come up. It's not a new build. You're just looking to make sure that the house isn't going to fall into the ground uh, or that there's not any massive surprises but there's always gonna be a small laundry list of items that need to be fixed pretty much with any house, no matter how diligent the the previous uh, owners or sellers are. And that's just something to be prepared for the first time as a buyer, you read a home inspection, hopefully not 10 minutes before you're offering on a property because you will have a heart attack.
0: Yep, if they're experienced reading them and they're getting good guidance, they'll know that there's 10 little things in there. But realistically, what they wanna know is, what, what am I going to have to invest in in the first five years of ownership of this house? When yes. does the roof need to be redone? Because that can be thousands to, to tens of thousands of dollars. When is the furnace mm-hmm. going to be AC, right? Age of windows, um, any moisture issues. These are the biggies. That yeah. handrail that's missing, that eaves trough that should be further away <laughs> from the house is like, sure, that's a Saturday Home Depot, <laughs> go spend $20, fix it project. It happens, right? Nothing it to depends. worry about there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even, you know what, it should be said here that, uh, buyers who are just getting started should probably ask for home inspections, even on properties they're not interested in and start reading them and start asking no. questions. So they're familiar with them.
1: Um, they're very exciting.
0: Very exciting reading. Yeah, If you need something to help you sleep at night, pick up some home inspections. Oh, so home exciting. Inspection. So the perception, our next point is the perception that the public open houses are the oh, bee's yes. knees. Corey, do you want to start us off with that? Oh my
1: gosh. Yes. Well, it is funny that, okay, like, first of all, we are in the digital age in case any of our listeners have not realized that. Yeah. Yeah. So most, I find, so most, most buyers are really, really savvy when it comes to doing their due diligence upfront more so than ever. And I think COVID really accelerated this. So people don't really want to leave their house unless they want to. So they are like aggressively looking on Realtor.ca and House Sigma and MLS and looking at websites, researching properties, watching videos, looking at the pictures, looking at the floor plans. They're looking at the comps because they have Mm -hmm. access to all of this now. And they probably won't leave their house unless they're like super interested in seeing the property. And if they are really interested in seeing the property, they are going to book a private showing with Mm -hmm. their buyer agent to go see the property alone without 40 other people all around them between two and four on a saturday and sunday who Mm -hmm. are generally neighbors that are snooping (laughs) Mm -hmm. people who are bored Mm
0: -hmm. and have nothing
1: else to do or like relatives or anything like that or like agents that just happen to be in the area these are not necessarily at public open houses the people that will probably most likely purchase your property. And so sellers get this really, really, really excited on Saturday and Sunday open houses. Like they think this is the bee's knees of selling the property. Like they're like, well, we gotta wait for the open house. What's gonna happen at the open house? I'm like, the open house. This is these aren't real buyers mm-hmm. that come to the open house. These are just people snooping around in your stuff. They want to look in your kitchen and they want to look in your closets and they want to see what, how their house compares to your house, and they want to tell their neighbor about it. So they're not a bad thing. I definitely think they're part of the marketing process. I definitely think they're worth doing. I think there's a lot of agents that have busy weekend schedules on Saturdays and Sundays that cannot make private appointments and send their clients to the open house so that they can at least get a feel for the property. They're certainly not a waste of time by any means, but they are not the be-all and end-all. Your buyer is likely going to come from a private showing with their buyer agent. Mm
0: -hmm. Well said.
1: Thank you. I feel very passionate about this, as you can tell, because I'm telling you, sellers get really pumped in them. I always feel like I feel so bad. Sometimes they're not that busy, especially condos. So for our condo sellers, like it's kind of a hassle to get into a condo, especially if, when if, a lot of, if they're even they allowing they for it. it. Yeah. If yeah. they allow for it, or they are like they'll make permit it, but there needs to be somebody that escorts you to the elevator. There has to be two people, and then somebody in, in the suite as well. And then you end up standing with your escort, wait escort, do <laughs> not like that. What kind the, of
2: operation we running?
1: I know, I know what I mean it like that. And then it's like awkward, and you have to like wait with them at the elevator to go up and see the suite. Like, so condo sellers, the public open house, if they're permitted, they're not that busy at all. Like, you're like, three people came. (laughs) You have to like, three people came, like, you know, the little old lady down the hall, you know, the guy, the concierge came to visit to make sure that I was safe. And then like, one dude that saw the sign. Like, it's pretty sad. So don't get too pumped about it.
0: Absolutely. Um, Is it fair to say that uh, it's actually, oftentimes it's realtors who benefit because realtors are actually there to find people who actually don't have agents. It's realtors who will benefit from open houses more than the seller benefits from the public going through the open house. Which is why some uh, some selling agents are all excited about doing them for you.
1: That's a really good point. And so, yeah, that's so true. And that's why new agents are often encouraged to host open houses on behalf of other agents so that they can prospect mm-hmm. and try to sell their services and try to find those buyers that are not represented. So mm-hmm. that is certainly not top of mind for me personally when I'm doing an open house. Like I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just thinking about selling the property and my job. Same. Yep. Um, but I definitely think, yes, you're totally right with that, Ian. That's a very good point. Um... Sorry, Ralph, yeah, go ahead. I, Well,
0: I
2: think it just goes back to what Corey was saying, <clears throat> is most qualified buyers are booking private appointments with their agents.
0: Yes.
2: So where the opportunity is for a listing agent or another agent uh, on a team or from another brokerage or same brokerage volunteering to do an open house is sometimes you'll meet those people who are just starting out their search, Mm and just sort of doing a reconnaissance of the market or the neighbourhood, and those are the opportunities um, to hopefully find a new client, a new buyer client, Um, but typically that does not uh, induce a sale of the property with which you are running the open house specifically for. Mm -hmm. So we have in the past sold properties from open houses, but Those are few, 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 and far, far, far between. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're a seller, while it's good to do an open house, um, you know, we really want to impress upon our sellers that this is not where the buyer is going to come from and this mm-hmm. is not how the property um, is going to
1: ultimately sell. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd like to add one more point to this, too. Mm-hmm. So, sellers out there that are listening or watching, a lot of the time, buyers will come to an open house and directly approach the listing agent and try and wheel and deal and say, if I can buy this home directly with you, I'm not represented. You know, you can double end this and get commission on both sides if you can like score me a deal and get me in. You know, does that work for you? I'm like, no. Oh my God. I just all of a sudden feel like I need to take a shower. That is like a dirty thing that people are trying to do. So buyers That are not represented are often trying to get to the seller selling agent direct make that connection and trying to do what's called dual agency or multiple representation which is so sketchy just that alone i'm like oh my gosh i already feel uncomfortable so but there are selling agents that are after that they want to double end their commission and they love that type of prospect to come to their open house for that very reason Mm -hmm. so just be aware of that too
0: yeah yeah, and it's those kinds of yeah. agents and that kind of business that uh, gives the rest of us a bad reputation. Totally.
1: totally. And I was also
0: going to say, Ralph, further to your point as well, those those young people who come in on Saturday or Sunday and are just getting their feet wet, they're just checking out a property because they're walking by, they're thinking about reaching out to a mortgage broker, they're thinking about talking to their parents about some help with the down, they're not going to be ready for that offer date on Monday or Tuesday. No. <laughs> no. They, are, they are not the buyer for this property. No. There's too many hurdles for them. No. It's nice for them to come and see it. but. Yeah, you're not missing out uh, by not right. having them there.
1: So Exactly. No.
0: Or 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 your neighbors who just want to go through your closets. Totally. Yeah, exactly. They want to yeah. find out how you've been living for the last 10 years because you never invited them over because they're nosy. Exactly. Good point. Yeah. Um my next question/point is uh the devil's in the details. Uh what you what you kind of Uh, you can shit yourself in the foot to use a joke from a previous episode. If (laughs) you don't do the small repairs, Yes. right? Making sure that you, and this kind of factors into our home inspection chat too, but making sure that you hit up all those little things that you can do before you go to market. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that, please.
1: Well, we've talked about this in former episodes as well as we give our sellers a laundry list of tasks to complete. Um, And th- these are all the small things that give those, the buyers the confidence that the property is well-maintained. And this is for condos, condo townhouses, and for low-rise. So every seller out there, multifamily, I don't care what you are, this applies to everybody across the board, all asset classes, and all price points. So get on those small details because this is where everything adds up. This is where a property shines. This is where people get a good feeling and intuition about a property when it's well maintained. So if you have gross grout in your bathroom, it looks disgusting, first of all. And like if it's cleaned up and white again, it just makes everything feel new. If you have something that's like a light fixture that's like falling off the wall, you know, get it reattached properly. Please paint your property like I cannot like smell. If you want to repulse people, have its <laughs> disgusting smelling place. Like yeah. a fresh <laughs> coat of paint takes away all of your personal smell. Like your cooking smell, your smoky smell, your weed smell, whatever other smell is happening there. Like please paint your place. It just makes everything feel clean. It gives that first impression that was Ralph was talking about when you walk in. Like all of these things. So sellers get really stressed about this part of the process because it's time consuming and annoying because it is like doing all these little small pictures.
0: Yeah. And you've, you've got to outlay a little cash before you're right. You get up, yeah.
1: yeah. And it's like work and like, where do you find these people? And so like, this is where we help a lot of our sellers. We get that list ready to go. We start checking off the boxes. We've got people to do almost every single thing, including your gross grout in your bathroom in the basement mm-hmm. or the mold or whatever. It's going down around that drain. So. Um, you got to get on it and I, I'm telling you like, just like you said, the devils and the details, these add up and it'll make everything feel more quality, more expensive, and then you will net, net a higher price at the end. Mm-hmm. Done.
0: Yep. Yeah. And we should throw in there too. I mean, a good professional cleaning as well. Oh, right. Like between the yes. paint and the bleach and the cleaners, it, it's like you want the new car smell for your property. Yes. Yeah. I'm.
2: I'm Please. so big about bathroom grout. Like you can walk through <laughs> the most beautiful house in the world, mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. and then you walk into the bathroom and you get like the heebie-jeebies because you see like, is that mold? What? Why? Is, why is that black?
0: Like it's. Just, I'm gonna get that toenail that fungus, fungus that. if like, I use this bathroom. Yeah. Oh,
2: literally, consciously, subconsciously, yeah, that could turn a, a, a potential buyer right off a property, and so. Yep. Those little details instill confidence uh, in the character of the sellers and in mm-hmm. the um, care that they took mm-hmm. of the property and in how it will be delivered on closing and yep. how livable it will be and enjoyable it will be without having to do a lot of things that should be done well up front.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is kind of related to shower grow And I know that the shower curtain is not included in the sale, but like also gag. Yeah. If you have your shower curtain sitting there with that border of just, please just take it down. That's, I'm just telling you now. So gross. Just need to have an
0: episode about all the gross things oh my that we've God, seen we and totally found do in properties. Yeah.
2: Ian, do you, do you want to ask Corey her opinion on Glade fresheners? Oh. Oh. Yeah. See, that's why.
1: Thing. Yeah. Why do people do that? The artificial things that get plugged in Ugh. for smell and then shoots right out. by the
0: front door. Yeah. yeah. And you walk and in like, and you're like, I'm living in this deodorizer. What? Yeah.
1: I know. And then you're like, what is this hiding? That's yeah. the other yeah. question. Yeah. What is this yeah. hiding? And then you get the luck of hanging out with that smell on you all day. Cause it tasting just, like, it sits for three
0: days. Yeah.
1: Tasting it. You're like, mm, it smells I'm like still, blossom still pears. Still on me.
0: Yeah. It's like your friend that wears way too much cologne.
1: Oh my god! We should totally remember to do an episode of just gross things. <laughs> I would yeah. just, I would just find it, and even if we're the only ones that listen to it, it'll be like therapeutic for us.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Our second to last point: playing the market, Ooh. the dangerous game of testing your home's selling potential. Oh, yes. Yeah, Corey, do you want to tell me a little bit about?
1: Okay, this is a really stupid thing, sellers. Again, this is all about dumb mistakes sellers could make. And this Mm -hmm. is a big one. Actually, Mm it should have been at the front almost. And so, this is when a seller is like, I just want to test the market and see what their place is worth and what they could get for it. And I'm like, dumb, dumb idea. And this is the reason being is that every time you list a property on MLS, it makes a footprint. And there's a history about your property on MLS that we can see forever. So if you're like, my house is worth a million, but I want to see if I can catch 1.5 for it, and I'm just going to put it on the market and see what happens, and it doesn't sell, guess what? We can see that as agents on the back end of MLS forever. Mm-hmm. It's a scar. Yep. Yeah, it's a little bit of a scar with a story, and you end up looking like an asshole, and you look greedy, and it's really obvious. Or like and... you just don't
0: know what you're doing.
1: Like you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Right. You yeah, it's be... maybe
0: not even arrogance. It's just like, what? Uh, this makes no sense
1: in in how many
0: properties have you seen where it's the the the
2: history looks like a checkerboard or something with all my god yeah price changes
0: listings and realists 2.2 for a month and then 1.8 and then 899 holding back offers and then back to (laughs) 2.5 and then 1.8 again and now we're holding back offers again (laughs) none of these things have worked but we'll try it again maybe this week yeah.
1: And then, yeah. and then you're like, is it the same agent that's done this over and over? Yeah. And then you start like exploring yeah. that agent and the next thing you know, you're on that agent's Instagram account looking at them like, this person's an idiot. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> So sellers, please, you've got to be really smart about this because you have, there is a record out there that we can all track and see, mm-hmm. and it does not give, and you know what? Buyers can see a lot of this now on all these apps, so they can mm-hmm. see all of this too. Not necessarily in the same detail we can as brokers, but they can see a lot of it. So this does not give people confidence about your property when you play the market this way. So you're better off if you really, really, really want to test it. You're better off doing what's called a pocket listing or an exclusive listing where you are open for business, but you're not publicly advertising on the MLS system and you're just privately networking through agents, uh, which is a very challenging thing to do because we don't have a broad system to communicate that exclusive listing anymore. So, but if you, if you do want to experiment and like play around with the market this way, this an exclusive or a pocket listing, which we could talk about in another episode would be the only way that we would recommend that you do that.
0: That makes perfect sense you only get a you only get one chance to make a first impression it should be good and it should be accurate and smart exactly yeah ralph anything to add on that one because i'm 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 down to our final point it's breaking my heart because i don't want to end this episode it's been so funny oh i hate it when your heart gets broken (laughs) crushed crushed point number ten yeah getting greedy between sold and firm
2: oh yeah i think i i'll just jump in here um because I kind of sat the last one out. Um, (laughs) Let me talk. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do. So what happens is is you sell your property, you have an accepted offer, it's firm, you have a deposit check, either there's no condition or conditions are waived, you have a firm and binding contract, and you close in six weeks. Mm -hmm. And very interesting sometimes the communication that can go back and forth between the buyer and seller. And there are two things that I believe in in life. Uh, One is karma and the other is goodwill. Not all sellers or people for that matter believe in such things or maybe one of two or maybe none. And oftentimes they can be inspired by other things. And so it's very interesting where you have a scenario where somebody has a house that on the best, possible day if all the stars lined up it should sell for 1.8 please 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 but more than likely it's probably going to be like a 1. six to 1. seven kind of scenario. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now you've sold the house for two million dollars. Oh. And the buyer has inquired about your baby gates
0: <laughs> and <laughs> One security camera. Yeah, the Nest. Yes, yeah, yeah.
2: And the um, accoutrements that go with the vacuum, The what's that vacuum thing?
0: Central vac?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. the
2: accoutrements that go with the central You do vacuum. a lot
1: of vacuuming, Ralph. Yeah,
2: obviously I'm not too experienced in that um, category, but um, the seller responds saying that'll be $17,000. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, you just made an extra three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000 tax free on your principal residence. These very nice people came in with a clean offer and have been very gracious in all their communications. Is it really worth the risk of karma and goodwill between now and closing? Because things can come up on the other side just as easily as on your side. Mm-hmm is really, really, really now the time to get a little greedy. And it's interesting in our business because you can really see people's philosophy on life or point of view. And it some does. sellers are so gracious and they're like, oh my gosh, they can just have everything. Like we're we're, mm-hmm. we're we're leaving, we're going to a new property. They paid us a great price. We're so happy, we're so grateful. And you know, those are a lot of the scenarios where you're like, okay, this is great. It's a true win-win, but sometimes you have to go back and you're like, yeah, that nest and uh, those baby gates, we want $17,000 for them. Why? Why? Just say they're not for sale.
1: Oh my God. It's the worst.
2: And then everybody gets their backs up and everybody pulls their guns out and egos Mm -hmm. come up and it's all just needless. Yep. Take the W and move on, and pass the karma and the goodwill on. Yeah. So I think it's really important to stay grounded from the time you've sold the property firm till closing, and um, you know some some of our sellers they'll write out these extendo lists and paint colors and paint swaps and all the warranties <laughs> in alphabetical order, paint mm-hmm. swipes in alphabetical order. Um, with a note and a bottle of wine and i mean that's that's as a that's seller That's the way you do it. That's, that's how you want to close
0: a deal. It. Yeah.
2: And yeah. and that's as a buyer who you want to deal with as a seller. Mhm. Totally. And so always think about the other person's perspective and when somebody's graciously purchased your property at a great price especially mhm be nice. Just
1: be nice. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I know. And then also the other smart thing about it is like shit actually comes up after the deal closes. Yes. So like the dishwasher leaks or like stuff always happens. I don't know what stuff happens. We've had like freaking trees come and crash into people's backyards before like we have a million stories about what's happened after closing. But if you've handled this whole process as a partnership between the seller and the buyer and then something small comes up after closing. The buyer is going to be so awesome about it. They're not going to like start writing threatening letters to their real estate lawyer and like threatening to sue. They're going to be like, ah, it's a dishwasher. No big deal. Like it's like, it just creates a more seamless closing Mm -hmm. on so many levels. So please sellers listening, just don't be an asshole at this stage. This is where you actually, should rise above and go over and above. And we, we have a couple sellers like this and they just do the cutest thing for the buyers when they close. And it's just the nicest way for the transaction to just seamlessly. end. and I think I totally agree, Ralph, good karma
0: Amen. for us as agents of buyers and sellers, the way that you want to leave this is the day after the closing day, you want to know that this went so smoothly that if the buyer or the seller says to you, listen, you know, it's over now. We actually don't need you would the seller or the buyer mind if we had their email address so if we have a question about something we can write to them and you as the agent representing one side or the other say as far as I'm concerned I am absolutely fine with that you know everybody was respectful everybody was decent I don't see this falling apart I know I've got people all the way around this deal that are going to be awesome to each other and yeah I'd love for the buyer to email the seller and say hey listen there's an envelope here from the government looks pretty important. I'll leave it in the mailbox. Come and pick it up whenever you want. A
1: a brown envelope. Yeah, a brown envelope from the the CRA. Yeah, exactly.
0: Felt my heart rate go up. (laughs) Everybody just had a minor. The brown, not the brown one.
1: Or vice versa. You know,
0: your Amazon package went to the wrong place, or totally right, like back and forth things like that. So yeah, that's how you want to end a deal for sure. So guys, like
1: all these podcast, all these podcasts, we could just be like, the main overarching theme is don't be an asshole.
0: Yeah. Be nice. Yeah, that's a
2: that's a big one. Just be nice.
1: Be nice.
0: Mm -hmm. Be nice.
2: I I think we could make a
0: make we could make a fortune with T-shirts that just said just don't life's pretty easy if you just don't be an asshole. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Totally. We'll just make a happy face. It's been done. (laughs) It's been
0: done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nicely done, folks. Thank you for that. Uh, We are the Fox Marin team in Toronto doing real estate right. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Corey, what what should people do? Should they contact us?
1: They can contact us. We're, Why? Nice. Because because we're, we're nice. Because we're nice. Because we're nice. We're not assholes.
0: <laughs> good we have good karma and we hand out yes. good karma. Yeah. Yes. At least we try. Yep. Alright. So we'll see everybody next week. And thank you for watching.
1: Thank you so much. If Bye-bye. you have any questions or comments, put them in the comments. So for those of
2: you at home, just smash that scrap button.
0: <laughs> <laughs> scribe button. Okay. There's no scribe button.
1: All right. Oh, my God. That's was... real
0: nice. Thanks Good for watching, everybody.
1: Thanks so much.